Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On the afternoon of January 5th, 2016, a woman walking her dog near Coldwater Creek on the west side of Grand Lake in Warren County, Ohio, saw what she thought were human bones. She took some pictures and called 911 to report the find, thinking she would just send them the pictures and probably be told they were animal bones. To her surprise, the Warren County Sheriff's Department sent out a deputy who collected the remains and they confirmed that they were in fact human. Not that there would usually be an innocent reason to find human remains in most places, but authorities confirmed that foul play was definitely involved. It turned out that the remains were only from a torso and there was no head, no legs below the knees, and no arms past the elbows. The medical examiner found saw marks on the bones, making it evident that the body had been dismembered. Forensics technicians were able to extract a DNA sample from the bones, but weren't able to come up with a match. Not only that, but they tested the isotopes in the bone to try to narrow down a location for where the unidentified victim had been prior to their murder. Isotope analysis is a process of comparing the isotopes in human remains, either bone or teeth, in order to determine a location where the person had spent time prior to their death. The isotopes in drinking water and other environmental factors will settle into our bones and teeth as they grow, and scientists can match those isotopes to areas on the planet to give them an idea where a person had lived. The bone isotopes predicted that the unidentified victim had lived in various possible locations throughout the American Midwest. Without much else to go on, the case went cold and would take over four years before the victim was identified and a killer brought to justice. This is Monsters. Sarah Buzzard was born on August 22, 1991 in Marion, Indiana. She married Corey Buzzard young, and after high school, the couple moved to Columbus, Ohio, where Sarah attended the Columbus College of Art and Design. She graduated with a bachelor's degree in 2014. At some point, the couple chose to open their relationship to other people. Both Corey and Sarah began meeting people online. Sarah met Naira Jen Whitaker, and during her interrogation, she calls her both Jen and Naira. So I first met Jen around, uh, I think, late June-ish, um, 2014, uh, on a dating site. Mm-hmm. And um, Corey, my husband at the time, wasn't going to be involved. Um, he knew about it, but uh, 
he said that he wouldn't try to insert himself in the relationship. Um, so she and I would uh, meet up for movies at my apartment until around uh, the third date when uh, we went, we became uh, in a sexual relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, around that time, I learned from her that she was transgender. Um, she had been on hormone therapy for six or seven years, um, but it was before she had her surgery. Mm-hmm. Sarah explained that, despite their original agreement that Corey wouldn't be involved in her new relationship, Once her husband learned that Naira was a trans woman, he started trying to turn the relationship into a threesome. According to Sarah, Corey believed that the perfect relationship involved three people. A man, a woman, and a transgender person. She said that she didn't know where he came up with that dream scenario, but she didn't want him to be involved in her relationship with Naira. He was trying to meet other people online, but wasn't having much luck initially. So then around February 2015, um, Jen went back to her hometown in Massachusetts to um, do some kind of paperwork, um, name change or something like that. She didn't really go into details. Um, And then during her absence, that's when Corey started talking to Ryan online. Um, I didn't know about their conversations until around early April-ish when he told me that he wanted Ryan to move in with us so that he could act on this philosophy. Uh, And we argued constantly for the entire month because I always felt like he needed this other person to make up for traits that I lacked and that really, really hurt. Um, And he was expecting me to kind of not not fall in love but become infatuated with with Ryan when I first met him and everything would be perfect. Sure. After Naira left, Corey met Ryan Zimmerman online through a personal ad on Craigslist. Ryan grew up in Ocean Springs, Mississippi, but had spent the last two years in Corbin, Kentucky, and his family would later say that he was a sweet guy who loved video games and playing with his brother, Ray. Ray had special needs, and Ryan loved showing him how to play video games, and family said he really understood him. His older brother would say in a later interview that Ryan was bullied in high school, which explains a lot of the behavior that Sarah would eventually describe as quote-unquote annoying. Forensic analysts would later discover that it seemed that Ryan was interested in transitioning, but he wasn't living his life as a woman at the time. After analyzing Ryan's internet search history and phone records, investigators learned that Ryan had been looking into hormone therapy and voice training. Corey thought that this would be a good opportunity to implement his perfect relationship, but Sarah wasn't interested in that scenario. She did tell Corey that Ryan could move into their spare bedroom as long as he paid rent, purchased his own groceries, and had to have a job and his own place within three months. She wasn't really happy about the idea, but she said it was the best compromise she could come up with. She already didn't like the situation, but things would only get worse. So I talked to Ryan uh, online once, and I did not like him. Um, He was extremely subservient to the point where I found it extremely annoying. Um, Like I was asking him, you know, what are your hobbies? What... 
what do you like to do? And he said, oh, I like to, to draw. And I told him, oh, I have a degree in that. I'd love to help you. He said, oh, no, uh, I'll never be good enough. So I, I understand that the family, his family, um, I, I could see why he had that kind of personality, but I didn't like it. Uh, and I let Corey know that I said, uh, I, I didn't see what he looked like. Um, I don't know if Corey had gotten pictures, but I never got one. And I said, I don't think I'm going to like him when he comes, but I will still give him the chance to at least have somewhere to stay until he gets on his feet. Sarah said that Ryan was too subservient, but that doesn't seem to be the correct word. It seems like she meant that he was too self-loathing. Unfortunately, this is a sign that someone is struggling and treating it as an annoying personality trait is kinda horrible. This shows a serious lack of empathy on Sarah's part. In mid-May 2015, Naira returned to Columbus and by the beginning of July she had moved into the apartment with Sarah and Corey. The married couple were still sleeping together in their bedroom, they had a room that was used as an office, and a spare room that had been reserved for Ryan. So Naira set up part of the living room to be her bedroom using some sheets as separators. At the end of July, Ryan showed up and moved into the spare bedroom. It seemed that for a while, Corey and Ryan had a relationship while Sarah and Naira had a relationship. Sarah would tell investigators that Ryan did pay rent and that he purchased his own groceries, but she didn't really interact with him much. Naira, on the other hand, wasn't shy about her dislike of Ryan. Uh, she would make comments like, he was a disgusting person, the world would be better off without him, she just absolutely loathed him. Wow, I get not liking someone, but the world would be better off without them? That's a bit harsh. This is someone who already clearly has self-esteem issues, and you're going to compound that because you think the guy's annoying? Sarah explained that Ryan would sit at the top of the stairs and eavesdrop on people talking in the living room or kitchen, likely something he did out of insecurity. He knew that there were people in the apartment who didn't like him, and he wanted to know what they were saying about him. Annoying, yes, but the world would be better off without them? It seemed that Naira had the same lack of empathy that Sarah had. They were a match made in heaven. On top of Sarah and Naira not liking Ryan, it seemed the initial spark had faded for Corey as well. Sarah told investigators that on Friday, September 25th, he told her that he was picking up a woman from Athens, Ohio at the Greyhound Station and then they were going to stay at the Hyatt Regency Hotel in downtown Columbus for the weekend. He told Sarah that he wasn't interested in Ryan anymore as he wasn't what he had expected and he already wasn't holding up his end of the deal to get a job. Corey told her that Ryan had set up a number of interviews but didn't show up to a single one of them since, quote, he would just be rejected, so why bother? Corey told Ryan to pack his things and move out by the time he returned from Columbus. According to Sarah, Naira had already been talking about killing Ryan. On the morning of the 26th, uh, Naira started uh, voicing some plan about killing him, and 
I did not take her seriously because she would make comments like that sometimes. Like if we were in the parking lot and we saw a woman waiting in her car, she would say something like, oh, I wonder what would happen if I just shot her in there. Or, oh, I wonder what would happen if we drove a cyclist off the road and things like that. Um, she never acted on them, so I never took her seriously. So when she started mm-hmm. saying things about killing Ryan, I didn't take her seriously. So you're dating someone who regularly talks about shooting random strangers and running cyclists off the road? Sounds like a real winner. Eventually, Sarah had to deal with Ryan. When I went upstairs at some point during the day to get something out of the office, Ryan had left a note uh, propped up on the staircase banister asking to talk to me, and I really didn't want to talk to him. Um, because I just wanted him to to go. Um, So then I went back downstairs. And then later on, when I went to use the bathroom, as I was exiting, he stuck his head out of his room and said, can I talk to you? So I I finally did. Um, I sat on the floor and listened as he cried and begged me to give him a second chance. He said that Corey hated him and that... uh, he, well, I, I, I tuned a lot of it out um, because I knew he just he just wanted a second chance. But I told him, look, I'm I'm sorry that Corey said that and that he wanted you to leave before your three month period. But if that's what he wants, then I'm going to stand by it. Plus, I pointed out you haven't tried to go to any of your job interviews, and you can't use the excuse that. You didn't have a car, or you didn't have uh, like a resume that had interested them enough to schedule it. You just didn't want to go because you chickened out. And I said that I, I couldn't, I wouldn't do anything. That if that's what Corey wanted, then he would have to leave this sure. weekend, um, which is not what he wanted to hear. But uh, he he agreed to it. So then I left. I went back downstairs and I filled in Naira on what he had told me. And that's when she went back to fleshing out her plan. I still didn't take her seriously, but I was starting to get worried because of how intricate it was getting. Um, And then when she started gathering tools like uh, trash bags, bleach, um, the handsaw from the shed, uh, I realized she was serious. So I, I tried to talk her out of it. At this point, by Sarah's account... Naira was gathering tools and getting ready to carry out her plan to murder Ryan. She said she was gathering saws as well as rags and chemicals to kill him with. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sarah said that Naira had done research online and learned that mixing bleach and vinegar would create a deadly chlorine gas. She put bleach on a rag and had a bottle of vinegar ready to pour on the rag when the time was right. Sarah claimed that she tried to talk her out of it, but if she did, she didn't try very hard. And she told me that if I didn't help 
that she was going to do it anyway and that it was going to be a lot messier and a lot harder to get everything done by herself and that Corey would probably come home before she was finished. Um, so she said that she would just give me a small role to play, but she would do most of the, the heavy work. Um, and usually at this point, the attorneys ask me, well, why, why did you do it? Why didn't you call the police? Why didn't you kick her out? Um, and it was because I loved her. Um, I knew that she wasn't a good person. I knew that she was kind of borderline sociopathic. She liked to manipulate people, uh, including me, really in our relationship. But she was the only person who had been there for me. Um, through everything that Corey had put me through and she was the first person that I actually felt like cared about me maybe not so much at this point in our relationship but later on uh, she was fiercely loyal to me mm-hmm. and so I didn't want to lose her so I, I agreed that I would help Why didn't you stop her from murdering someone? Because I loved her At what point do you stop loving someone? I feel like actively preparing to murder someone could be the catalyst to rethink that love. Maybe it's just me. Of course, all of this information is based on the fact that Sarah can tell this story without anyone contesting the facts. She's the only person left out of the three people involved in this murder, so she can say whatever she wants. In reality, it might have been her planning the murder with Naira trying to talk her out of it. Neither of them had much motive to kill Ryan. He was in a relationship with Sarah's husband, and maybe she wanted to get rid of him, but it didn't seem like Sarah was really interested in Corey anymore. So, to commit murder over it seems unlikely. According to Sarah, Naira didn't like him on a personal level, which also doesn't seem like a great reason to murder someone, especially since he was moving out and would soon be gone. Within a few days, he would have left. So why murder him for either of the reasons theorized? Again, according to Sarah, Naira was a sociopath who fantasized about killing and this was just her way of carrying out that fantasy. Of course, it seems like Sarah is a bit of a sociopath herself, so it's possible that they just both wanted to kill someone. When all is said and done, we have to take what Sarah says with a grain of salt because she's likely adjusting her story to minimize her own involvement. Whoever's idea it was, Sarah and Naira put their plan into action. So when Ryan came out, I was waiting in the doorway of the office, waited until he walked down the hall, and then I jumped on him from behind. Uh, put him in a headlock and pulled him down to the floor with my body weight so um, I could hold him uh, while Naira came and straddled him and then pressed the rag over his face. Um, when he started making these guttural gasping noises, um, Naira let me get out from under him and I curled up in the office and cried. Um, I didn't want to look at her or him. I I wish that I didn't have to do it, but it was done, and I was so scared and horrified, but there wasn't... I, I didn't stop. I didn't stop her. I didn't... 
After Ryan succumbed to the poisonous gas, Sarah said she believed that Naira put duct tape around his face to make sure he couldn't breathe in case he wasn't really dead. Then Naira asked Sarah to help move the body into the bathroom, but Sarah said no. She claimed that she didn't want to see his face, so she stayed in the office. Sarah claimed that Naira got the body into the bathtub on her own and then put a garbage bag over his head. She used a hacksaw to sever his head and put it in the freezer for later. Then she cut off his hands and feet and also put them in the freezer. Supposedly, Naira said that the head, hands, and feet would be the identifying part so they would dispose of them separately. Since Ryan's head was gone and she wouldn't have to see his face, Sarah started helping dismember the body. Sarah said that they wanted to cut the body into much smaller pieces, but they didn't have time. They used a black plastic tote to put the body parts into along with the tools, rags, and gloves. Sarah said that Naira did a quick cleanup of the bathroom with a plan of doing a more thorough cleaning after they disposed of the body. The initial plan was to load the tote into the trunk of Ryan's car and drive it to Illinois. They would dispose of the body, ditch Ryan's car, and then take a Greyhound bus back to Columbus. After loading Ryan's car, they drove for about 30 minutes before stopping to get gas. When they were done at the gas station, the car wouldn't start. They spent a while trying to get the car to start before finally giving up and having it towed back to their apartment complex. They had the car dropped off down the street and they transferred the tote into the trunk of Sarah's 2007 Toyota Corolla and started driving. And once it got dark, Myra um, would randomly pick exits for me to turn off on and we would drive around trying to find uh, dumpsters that were open and um, unsupervised and we would throw one of the bags in it and then get back on the highway and keep going. Sure. Um, so we did that until we just had the torso left. Um, but at that point, we had both been awake for 36-some hours, so I kept falling asleep at the wheel, and I told her, uh, I, I can't keep driving. Mm -hmm. um, so that's when we found the, the wooded area here, um, dumped the torso, and turned around and started driving back to Columbus. Mm -hmm. um, and I had to stop frequently on country roads to take a quick nap just so I could keep going. Um, and I think it was maybe 1, 2 o'clock in the morning by the time we got back. When they returned to the apartment, Corey was in the kitchen and Sarah said that he was mad because he didn't know where she was. She had turned off her phone, so he wasn't able to get a hold of her. I mean, dude just got back from spending the weekend in a hotel with another woman, but he was mad that he didn't know where she was? Seems a little controlling, but that's just me. As soon as I heard that he was in the kitchen, I wondered how he didn't see the body parts in the freezer. But Sarah told investigators that Naira had hidden them behind other stuff like frozen vegetables. They must have a big freezer. Sarah explained that Corey was mad, but she didn't have the energy to talk to him. She had been up for more than a day murdering, dismembering, and then disposing of Ryan. She told Corey that he had packed up and moved out, and Corey didn't seem to question the story. The next day, while Sarah was at work and Corey was at school, Naira got to work on the remaining body parts. She got um, 
this uh, soup pot and made some kind of lye mixture and put the head in it, um, partially because it was kind of a trophy for her, but also because she didn't know the best way to dispose of it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to carry, or so she, she put it in the soup bin, put that in a bag, or several bags, put the pieces of the hands and feet also in the bag, and then kept bagging it up, and we put it in the shed for the time being. And every time we moved, it would have to come with us. So that was a weight that I had to drag with me everywhere I went. Wow, they had to bring this rotting severed head with them every time they moved. It's like a Shakespearean curse, their victim's head following them everywhere they went. It seemed that Ryan's car was eventually impounded and Naira had taken his other personal belongings and either kept them or sold them. Sarah also sold her own car, likely to separate herself from potential evidence. Eventually, Corey started dating another woman who he ended up moving in with. Sarah and Naira moved out of the apartment and got a place together in Sarah's hometown of Marion, Indiana. On January 14, 2016, Sarah and Corey finalized an uncontested divorce, and she married Naira January 26th. They kept an eye on the news and did see when Ryan's torso was found, but when nothing more came of it, they believed they were in the clear. That was until January of 2020, when an analyst from the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation saw a missing persons report that matched the details of their unidentified remains. When he asked the family of the missing person for DNA, it turned out to be a match for their John Doe. Investigators finally identified the remains as Ryan Zimmerman. Ryan's family had reported him missing in November of 2015 after not having heard from him for a month, but it wasn't until 2020 that someone put the two cases together. When investigators talked to Ryan's family, they explained that Ryan had moved in with someone he had met online. After a series of warrants got them access to multiple online records, they were able to track Ryan's move to the apartment occupied by Corey and Sarah Buzzard. Detectives searched the apartment and tracked down Ryan's car and Sarah's Toyota Corolla. They found blood in both the apartment and Sarah's car. On August 25, 2021, police arrested Sarah and brought her in for questioning. Sarah admitted to being involved in the murder of Ryan with Naira, so authorities went back to the house to arrest her. When sheriff's deputies approached the house, Naira pulled a gun out of a bag and shot herself in the head. She was pronounced dead at the scene. We had done a, a we made a suicide pact that um, should something go wrong or we get discovered that she was going to shoot me first and then kill herself um, because she said she would rather die than spend her life in prison. Um, especially since at the time uh, she was still anatomically male. So she said that she would probably have to go to the male prison, and that was, that was a death sentence in itself because she, um, she was very, very feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I agreed to the suicide pact, but I was also scared because uh, I, I, I'm, I'm terrified of death. I did not want to 
have to have it go that way. Sure. Um, but as things, as time passed and nothing new happened, uh, I started to feel better um, mm-hmm. that maybe we'd be able to live a life together. Um, and then the arrest came, and when I said goodbye to her, I could see it in her face that she knew. Mm-hmm. And um, when I, or when uh, the officer that the Marion Police mm-hmm. Department told me what happened, um, I wasn't surprised, but... With Sarah being the only suspect remaining, she was charged with 18 criminal counts, including two counts of murder, four counts of evidence tampering, felony abuse of a corpse, and felony assault. The prosecutor in the case announced that he would be seeking the death penalty and Sarah escaped a possible death sentence by taking a plea deal. Eventually, her story changed and she admitted that she was upset that Ryan had caused friction in her relationship with Corey. She explained that she had knocked Ryan down and put him in a chokehold until he passed out. She continued strangling him until it was too late. She said that Naira helped her dismember and dispose of the body. When she was sentenced, she stated, quote, Not a day goes by that I do not wish for a chance to take it all back. I accept responsibility in the role I played in Ryan's death, and I will live every day for the rest of my life attempting to redeem myself through positive actions and deeds. Right. Sarah Buzzard was sentenced to life in prison with parole eligibility after 30 years. Based on her statement in court, it seems that she's already showing, or pretending to show, remorse for her actions so she can be released from prison sometime in her life. If it were up to me, she would remain in a cage forever, exactly where a monster belongs. If you're the victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. Please talk to your local shelter or call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or you can go to thehotline.org to chat with someone online. This website is set up so that, at any time, hitting the escape key twice will take you to a Google search page. That way, if your abuser is nearby, you won't get caught seeking help. If you're having feelings of harming yourself or someone else, or even just need someone to talk to, please contact your local mental health facility. Call 911 or call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline by simply dialing 988 in the United States. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and will talk to you about any mental health issue you may be facing. If you are a member of the LGBTQ community and suffering from discrimination, depression, or are in need of any support, please contact the LGBT National Hotline at 1-888-843-4564 or go to lgbthotline.org. Thanks so much for letting me tell you this story. If you enjoyed it, subscribe on whatever platform you're on, hit like, rate us, or leave us a comment. You can check out our other show, Somewhere Sinister, on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to support the show, check out our merchandise at thisismonsters.com. The link is in the description. Thanks again, and be safe.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.